Hello again. Welcome to another VW podcast. This is the Silicon Valley Review, and today we're talking about the season five premiere. Welcome back. That's Aaron. I'm Kevin. And a quick announcement before we get going. This week is Dallas Startup Week. Our own Caroline Faubacher is the legal track captain. You can see the legal track events at dallasstartupweek.com. We hope to see you there. I'm going on Friday at least. Aaron, you're moderating an event. I am speaking on a panel. panel on Thursday. Which panel is that? Ask a lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Be helpful. You yeah. are a lawyer. Mm-hmm. All right. So I don't know hope, if I'm qualified for that, but. hope to see you there. Also, want to promote Velowood Founders Day. This is a series of workshops for startups. We're doing our idea and beta stage Founders Day workshop April 19th through 21st. You can apply online. We've already received dozens of applications. Very excited about this. Learn more and apply at velawoodlaw.com forward slash Founders Day. The deadline is this Friday. What happens if you do a backslash instead of a forward slash? Uh, I think it takes down the entire internet. <laughs> Let's try don't, it. Don't try it. Don't try it on our website. Yeah. Try it on some other lawyer's website. Yeah. As you're listening along, note that the show notes are available on the blog, VelaWoodLaw.com. There will be a link to this episode or on the iTunes episode description. All right, let's get into it. So Aaron, season five, episode one, and we're a little behind, so we're going to do two this week. Okay. This episode was called Grow Fast or Die Slowly, which they ended up doing by an aquahire. Aquahire, aquahire. 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 It's an acquisition. Correct. And a hire. Yes. Put together. Let's talk about, Aaron, quickly what an aquahire is. Yeah. Aquahires where you acquire a business just to get their talent. Traditionally, is there any money changing hands in these things? Very little, usually just to sort of placate the investors, but really the money is being used to pay the salaries for the people you're acquiring. That's what we typically see. So an aquahire, there might be a very low price just to give the investors hopefully a 1x or some of their money back, but it's just a way that all the developers and engineers can go and find a job somewhere, and then they will at least have some continuity of equity as they roll over into an option plan. So Richard ends up doing an aquahire because he needs to get talent, right? So they're short on engineers, right? and they have their three stallions, Mm -hmm. as they keep calling them, who are hilarious, Yeah, these three programmers or engineers that they have. So Dinesh and Guilfoy are now moving to more of a management role. Yeah, I guess. Right, because I feel like every other episode... You would typically just see them banging away at the computer for hours. Right. In. And now they're just sitting in a meeting with Richard. So this is signaling their movement into upper management, even though they only have three employees at this point. In time. Yeah. And if you're short on developers, but you have Dinesh and Guilfoyle right there. Right. Why are you not using them? <laughs> I don't think an investor would be very happy if they right. walked in and saw the management meetings there. But they're trying to hire developers and they've interviewed 63 people and Richard is looking for the perfect developer to develop his new internet. We'll get into that in a sec. But they end up just doing an aqua hire of SliceLine and Omni, Optimoji. Optimoji. Yeah. Okay, I got a side discussion on that. The names are hilarious. The SliceLine and the Optimoji. And I want to give a shout out. We should take a closer look at who the writers are. Yeah. For the show or see if they're giving credits to VCs or to experienced founders. Right. Because the stuff is right on par. Mm-hmm. Right, Aaron? First of all, for the ridiculousness of the ideas that we see, yeah. <laughs> that we see here, yeah. I'm sort of surprised SliceLine hasn't been pitched to us yet. I mean, we should ask the entire firm because I'm sure there's somebody at the <laughs> right. firm to whom Who's it's been seen. pitched. And then the Optimoji, they didn't even really get to what Optimoji does, but it is just optimizing emojis, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's, that's very important Is work. that B2C, you think? Nah, yeah, B2C, maybe a little B2B2C. <laughs> so Silicon Valley is doing a tremendous job. The references are 
incredibly relevant. I feel they're well-played. They're entirely believable. Yes, they're hammed up a little bit, and they're on the comic range of what we typically see here, but I'm really enjoying that part of it. So I'm going to take a look at who the writers are, Aaron, and see where they're getting their information. All right, so Richard is out building his new internet, and his internet uses a distributed technology, right, instead of single servers. And that's a term you might be seeing a lot about or a lot of in regards to blockchain, because blockchain uses distributed ledgers, which is makes use of a distributed network of computers. I don't know enough about blockchain to know if this is the exact same thing or different. I'm pretty sure they're different. Aaron, you want to chime in with your blockchain knowledge? I think it's similar in the sense that it is distributed across multiple devices. It's not hosted in one centralized server or repository. But other than that, I can't really give an educated comment. Well, distributed is just a fancy way of saying not on one server, Yeah. right? All right, so the show starts off and they're looking for new offices. And I think this shows a little bit of Richard's growth as a founder because they walk into what looked like a WeWork office to me and Dinesh and Guilford are very excited because they think that is their new office, which is a bit absurd because it was huge. Right. And then Dinesh says, when are all these people leaving? And Richard said, well, this is our office. And they go into what looked like a panic room to me. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of a server room. Yeah. Yeah. That might've been what it was. Just super bright, all white. The outlet, the power outlet was in the middle of the room. Yeah. But this is Richard who's thinking, look, we're going to be very super cost efficient and we've raised money before and blown money and we didn't need that fancy office space. I want to have everyone in one room. I want everyone to be working closely together. And then he immediately gets outvoted by his engineers. And it was a little preposterous too, because if they're looking to hire 15 developers, you try to cram 20 people into that office space when I would guess that most of the people will have two monitors. The way that they end up setting up the office space, right, where they right. moved into is what we would typically see. That looked pretty nice. Right. Now, for a company that raised $13 million, that's probably appropriate. But I think it's interesting how quickly Richard lost that battle just because Dinesh and Guilfoyle. So it goes to show that while Richard is the is the guy in charge, right, he's the chief, he's really being making decisions based on what's best for Dinesh and Guilfoyle, who are really the ones controlling the technology. It's a little frustrating to me because I don't see Richard leading, really. I see him, and I don't know how much of a caricature this is, but I would think that, yes, for a technical founder, somebody who's really sort of into the technical aspects of the business, okay, I can see how he might not be as personable and as leading the charge as somebody who maybe has much more of an extroverted personality, but... I feel like at this point in the company's development, he would be a little more aggressive. Yeah. So he's, we're five seasons into it. You're right. He hasn't really, he makes decisions. Right. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good decisions, but he's not really leading it. You know, that's never more apparent than at the very end of the episode. Right. When he can't speak to a room of 30 new hires yeah. right, or 50 the, new hires. These are people that work for him. Right. They, they will be kissing up to him and it makes him so uncomfortable to the point where he goes and throws up, which leads to, Either Richard's going to have to develop that part of his character, or they're going to have to bring in someone to run the business side. For me, the natural fit there is Jared. Yeah. As awkward as he can be, he's the one that sort of has the business sense. Yeah, he feels like the guy who's got the MBA. Right. He's got all the processes down. But anyway, so then there's a scene where Richard goes and meets with Monica to talk about 
the AquaHire idea. And Lori Bream comes in, and she's 11 months pregnant, which is hilarious. Well, no, she's no longer 11 she, months pregnant. Yeah, right, because she was 11 months pregnant. That morning. That morning, she adduced and had the baby, and Richard congratulates her, and she says, for what? Which is a, a great deadpan and a, a perfect caricature of her character. So now Monica's taking a much more... I think Monica's taking much more responsibility, right? right? I think she's always very involved with Pied Piper, but now it looks like Lori is really trusting Monica. Yeah. That happened very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how much of Lori we get and whether it's ultimately Monica. I, I see this setting up to where Monica at some point in time has to make the tough decisions that Lori makes. Yeah. Right? The real business, just cut it, move on from it, whether it's firing a group of people or pivoting or whatever. And Lori's setting Monica up to be ready to do those things. The great Gavin Belson, who turned over his patent for the distributed network to Richard. For free. For free, in a moment of Buddhist generosity, yes. like he said. And then, of course, half the engineers in the room are Buddhist. Right. That was hilarious. So Gavin fired someone during a board meeting, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's having a, some sort of a meeting. I have a board meeting. Just some sort of a meeting. He ex- escorts her out of, the, out of the room, and then Gavin says, we can fire just like she got fired. Gavin's character is probably, now with Ehrlich gone, probably my favorite character, maybe Jin Yang. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, Jin Yang is pretty great. I also, I really like Lori. I really like Lori's character. Yeah. It is so deadpan and just no nonsense, but also incredibly awkward. Super, super awkward, which I think is what, you know, some of the, maybe not VCs, but some of the founders in, you know, you read about the founders in, um, in Silicon Valley, but also... You look at Lori Bream and she was there to return capital to her investors. Yeah. Basically, she's there to make money. Right. Right. She has investors and that's the number one goal in her mind. Yeah. Aaron, I have a note in here that Gilfoyle and Dinesh blame Richard's lack of leadership. And remember when he's mad at Gilfoyle and Dinesh because they haven't hired anyone, right? Because right. they're looking for the unicorn developers. And then they turn around and they blame him mm-hmm. because he hasn't been a leader enough to tell them to stop looking for a unicorn and just hire 12 more developers. Right exactly what you and I were just talking about. Richard has a distinct lack of leadership and be curious to see what they do with that. Page two of my notes. Man, you come in here with multiple pages of notes and I have nothing in front of me. <laughs> well, you, you're young. You can keep it all in your head. Uh, I just really like the line where Jared's gave an anecdote about having to save half of his family. <laughs> Richard, Richard was talking about how they would hire too many people and they might have to let some of them go. And Jared said, well, I know it's like your family, but I've done that where you can only save half your family. Yeah. <laughs> the little things they throw in regarding just to kind of, uh, you know, further exacerbate the characters. Right. I love it. Or to exaggerate the characters, probably a better word. All right. Another point. We have this divergent path of Uli, the big successful company, the 800 pound gorilla who everyone's using their technology. They're about to put out the box two, dumbest name ever. Right. right? Hilarious. What a commentary on on the status of big business today. They're about to put out the box two, which they have more pre-sales for in the first quarter than they ever anticipated. But yet Gavin is worried that the company is becoming too old and antiquated. So first of all, I think that's the mark of a great leader, right? That Gavin is not I don't know if I can say Gavin's a great leader, but he does have some some great tendencies or some great instincts. Gavin is not happy with where the box two is. He is thinking, what do we need to do to be forward thinking? Now, I don't know if he's thinking that out of competition with Richard, probably, right. yeah. or he's thinking out as business ingenuity, but Gavin is already way ahead of where the rest of the business is because they sat in with all those developers and all, all the engineers that they had hired, the 63 that they had hired away before Pied Piper could get them. And Gavin talked about, 
excuse me, their feedback to them was that you're old and antiquated. And then when they had the picture of Gavin winning the award, yeah, the Innovation Hall of Fame award, all the other people he was sitting with looked like they're octogenarians. Yes, yeah, yeah, at a minimum. So interesting to see what Hooli does, and you know, this is I think a message that Hooli even understands it has to continue to reinvent itself. Uh, we had Aaron an appearance by your favorite attorney. Yeah, Ron Laflamme. He looked as casual as ever. He is who I aspire to be. No, no computer on his desk. Yeah, huge office. Not very much at all on his desk. Yeah, not much at very all. Very clean desk. desk. I don't know what he's working on, but he was meeting with Jin Yang. A legal point here. I thought Ron did a great job of identifying who he actually represents. Yeah, who is the client? You got to be. You got to be sure of that. And then the analysis that Ron made about. I bet you could find some attorney to take this letter and make an argument that it's a contract. I thought that was really, really good. Yeah. Because that's the sort of stuff we see here all the time is, is this contract enforceable? Probably not. But will someone argue that it is? Yeah. You know who would argue that it is? That attorney that Pied Piper had in their lawsuit against Hooley. The guy that- The old guy that was working at a car wash. Yeah, that loses his license every couple <laughs> yeah. of years. Exactly. He's the kind of lawyer that would make you that know, so argument. A lot of times- you're not worried about you know, what's a court going to say right. because to get to court, it's very expensive in terms of time, effort, money. So you're just worried about what is someone else at least right. going to claim. Yeah. It doesn't matter what a document says. Anybody can sue you at any time for right. any reason. So it's great that you have it in writing and signed. But So Ron's actually a really good attorney. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think back to, to season one, I think it was when they got their first round of funding and Richard walked in and Ron just had everything there ready for him to sign. How awesome that that never happens, right? Where everything's ready to go all at once. Oh, I'm client, always I'm always ready for people to <laughs> the sign. The client documents. just comes yeah. in and signs it. So, in spite of his casualness, Ron's kind of I don't know. He he seems to be the antithesis of what you would think a lawyer is, right? Yeah, maybe not a venture lawyer, but a lawyer in general. I will tell you, I was involved in plenty of closings when I was in big law, where the partner made me print out every single document. Line them up in a huge conference room, and we have 55 documents that are ready to be executed. We have sign here flags on everything. And and people just come by and sign them one at a time. Exactly. Big signing party. We don't get to do those anymore, Aaron. No. Does that make you sad? Not really. All right. So let's see. Then you've got uh, Slice Line, which had a term sheet. It meant about 12 of the episode, and the minute 16 of the episode had 8 million funding. Yeah. So that was pretty realistic. That's how that happens. I know that I was criticizing Richard earlier for his lack of leadership. However, when he starts to play dirty and he his engineer set up bots to start ordering pizzas from Slice Line, as ruthless and perhaps unethical that is, I don't know that it's illegal. I don't know that it's illegal, and it shows some some gumption. So an interesting development, right, for his character there is that. While he's lacking in leadership skills, I don't think he's lacking decision-making. He's willing right. to make a decision, and he has become ruthless. You're right, because early on in the in the uh, series, he was very moral, and everything had to be done right. the right way. And then he kind of... Well, then Dinesh, remember, hired the uh, farm, right? The yep. bots or the individuals who are going to sign up a bunch of accounts in Pakistan many seasons ago. So this is just showing the... I don't want to say the growth, but the no, morph... Silicon Valley has gotten to Richard. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's a great way of looking at it. Okay, one more legal point, Aaron, that I can ask you about 
at some point in time, when Gavin became frustrated with the 63 engineers he had just hired, he looked at him and said, why don't you just go wander the campus for four years until yeah. you vest? Yeah. You want to explain what that means? So that, that's actually a reference back to Big Head, where basically Gavin's objective in hiring these people is not really to have them work. It is to have them not work for Richard and Pied Piper. So in Gavin's mind, he doesn't care if these people work or not. He fully recognizes that really they just want to stick around until their equity vests and then they'll have lots of money on paper. Traditional vesting cycle, four years. Most employment agreements are going to have some sort of termination language, right? If you terminate the employee, if you terminate them without cause, they might be able to keep some of it. I think we can infer from this that they all have employment agreements that say if they're terminated without cause, they automatically vest. Well, and he doesn't want to terminate them because then they'll go work for Pied Piper. Right. So he's just going to let them wander around and they will do that for four years so they can get their Hooli stock yeah. and then move on. So that the idea that engineers just showing up every day for four years, not having anything to do just to watch their stock vest, I thought that was that was great. Uh, those guys would not be cheap either no. considering they're the best distributed network engineers in the Valley. All right. So- before we started this podcast here, and you and I were kind of talking about it, I think we said the episode was just okay. I found yeah. myself laughing more as, as we review it. I think it was a good episode. There wasn't a whole lot of conflict there. I'm curious to see where it goes. It wasn't so good. I had two episodes queued up last night. And after it, I watched John Oliver, right? It wasn't so good that I thought, right. let me watch what's next. Yeah. So we'll see. So let's try and get episode two done in the next couple of days, okay. and then we'll get caught up. So that's it. That's the season five premiere or season five, episode one, Silicon Valley review. Questions or comments, always please email us podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. Again, our show notes are on the blog at VelaWoodLaw.com or via the link in the iTunes episode description. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the VelaWood Podcast Silicon Valley Review. Five stars only. Thank you. The Valawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at